Well, good to be together. If we haven't met before, my name is Matt Shetler. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, a couple things before we dive into the talk today. Man, it was great having um, our kids, our older kids in service today. Um, if you read the email this week, I kind of shared a little bit about why. But everything that we know about how um, children and kids grow in faith, develop in faith, um, is a lot of it is what is modeled in front of them by not just their parents, but by older adults as well, too. Not just what's modeled, but that early on, they don't just learn about Jesus, but that they actually have developed a relationship with Jesus, that God's real, not just stories in a book or on a page. And so obviously they're having those experiences in their classrooms upstairs, but also they get to see it when they're here with us worshiping. They get to see you as you sing, as you engage, and maybe you are a parent or a grandparent, and they get to see you do those things. Or maybe you're like, I'm not related to any of these kids. But they look around and go, oh, the God who we're singing about that I learned in classroom, these grown-ups actually think that's true too. These grown-ups actually think this is real. And so um, we're just really uh, grateful to have the kiddos with us um, each and every week. Um, the older kids, I can't imagine if my two younger kids were in here every week. That would be crazy. Um, so, but anyway, so older kids, it's exciting stuff. So good to be with you guys. And then um, one other thing that I wanted to um, announce is that every time we have someone that joins the church, that becomes a member, uh, we like to announce that and pray for them. And, and here at, at Lakewood Vineyard, membership, here's what it means, because we don't all grow up around uh, context or churches that had membership. And so membership isn't it's not like a club that you join, right? It's like you become an Amazon Prime member, right? You get free shipping, right? Or you become a member at the zoo. It means you pay money, and now I can go to the zoo whenever I want to. The difference here is really saying that, hey, this is my home. This is my church community. And then you commit to some things like, hey, I commit to um, things like I'm not going to talk about other people. I'm actually going to try to work through challenges. If there's difficulties in relationship, I'm not going to gossip about people. I'm going to like actually be united. I'm going to treat this place, not just this building, but our community like it's mine, right? It's the difference between um, when, someone, when you walk into someone else's house, they greet you, right? Because it's their home. They want you to feel welcome. You know, but if you're at someone else's is home, someone knocks on the door, usually you don't go to the door and say, hello, you know, you let the people whose house it is, right? And so, but we think about membership, it's like all of a sudden you're saying, hey, this is my community. And so we kind of take on responsibility, which means we want to say hi to people when they're new. We want to find ways that we can serve in the church. We want to find ways that we can invest financially. We find ways that we can love one another. And so membership here is about putting down roots. It is saying, hey, there's, a, there's an essential part of what we believe, saying I believe those things. Um, but really it's all coming together and saying, hey, we're in this together. So different kind of membership uh, than Amazon Prime or uh, Zoo membership. But so that's a little bit about membership. But all that set up is that um, our friend Valerie Swartz, Valerie, can you just raise your hand? I won't make you stand. So Valerie um, just recently joined uh, the church, became a member, and Valerie's been an incredible part of our church. He's one of the first people that Aaron and I actually met uh, moving to Cleveland, uh, which is kind of cool. You have to ask for that story. But um, they both worked at Cleveland Clinic as physical therapists. And, uh, but Valerie's just been a great part of our church, serving with first impressions and in a community group. He meets across the way on Wednesdays. And um, it's just been a joy to have you, Valerie, as part of our church community and family. And you've already been that, but it's, so it's exciting to see you put down some roots. And so um, we're just going to take a minute to pray for Valerie. If you feel comfortable, you can extend a hand and pray for her. If you're sitting next, if you want to put a hand on her shoulder, if she's okay with that, we're just going to pray a blessing on her. So Lord, we are, we're just so grateful for Valerie. We're grateful for what you've been doing in her life and in her family. God, we are grateful for um, the ways that you see her. 
Lord, you see all of us sitting here in a, in a big sense, but you see Valerie, and you've been with her on the journey that she's been going on. Not just in the last couple days or weeks or months, not just even in this church community, but for decades, you have seen her and been with her. So Lord, bless her in this new season um, as she puts down some roots in this community. God, may it be life-giving to her as she um, gives your life away to others as well too. Bless her, Jesus. Give her all the things that she needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks for praying. And so, um, again, uh, we're going to continue our series this morning um, about God's empowering presence. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that I think about how God works, oftentimes a word that comes up in my mind is that God often works in unexpected ways. Unexpected ways. When I think about um, some of the ways that God has moved in my life, it's, it's usually things I didn't expect him to do. I didn't expect him to do it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes there's these, um, the way that God moves unexpectedly can kind of be a little unnerving, right? Some of you, uh, we've been on this series on the Holy Spirit, and you're like, this, the stuff you're talking about is like so out of the box for me. Like, this is not anything that I'm used to. This is like so out of the box. Growing up, maybe you grew up around church, and you're like, that's for like the different kind, like you didn't say weird maybe, but maybe you did. The weird churches, right? But that's not really who I am. I'm maybe just more of a Bible-believing folk, you know, so this Holy Spirit stuff, I'm not really sure. But here's the thing that we've said in this series is that actually to be a Bible-believing person is to be a person who says, man, if God does it in the Bible, then maybe he wants to do it in our lives too. That we don't just think it was a book that talked about superheroes back then, and then now we're just average, everyday, ordinary folks who just kind of struggle along. But that actually God wants to move in unique and unexpected and powerful ways in and through us, too. And so we've been talking about how God does that, right? We've talked about healing, and we've talked about um, how God wants to give us power um, to do things that we... Um, that really we wouldn't have had the courage or strength to do or even insight to do, that God enables us to do things that we couldn't have done on our own, as well as experience transformation and change and healing in areas that maybe we lost hope for. And so today we're going to dive into a story where God does some unexpected things as well too. And, uh, and some of the unexpected things that I know that I've seen um, is that sometimes, have you ever had a sense, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, but if you're a Christian and you would say like, man, I was just sitting there, maybe I was praying and someone came to mind and and I texted them and I said, hey, I'm just praying for you. And they wrote back, oh my goodness, like this is, how, how did you know I'm going through this really difficult time and you reaching out was like exactly what I needed, right? Or you're just, you know, you're walking along, you know, maybe minding your own business that day, running into somebody at the grocery store, you know, and it just happened to be this connecting point where they really had a need and, and you were able to meet or just encourage them. I know I was thinking back in my own life and um, a couple years back, I ran into uh, someone I'd, I'd met randomly the night before at a concert, uh, and then the next morning, I just felt this like, I should go to this coffee shop and hang out. Like, I didn't have a clear reason why. I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, that's not normally what I do. It wasn't like this, I had a sense it was God. It was just more like, a, huh, I guess, yeah, I'm going to go do that. It's kind of nudge. So I went there, and I ran into the same person in this coffee shop right, that I'd met briefly the night before, and that person wasn't in a hurry. I was like, hey, how's it going? Hey, and this ended up sitting down. I don't know how we ended up sitting down together, because usually at coffee shops, you don't just say hi to someone and then sit down at the same table, and then we just end up for an hour having this spiritual conversation, 
you know, just kind of like talking about faith and church and, and this person's experience of God. And, you know, and I thought that was cool. That was really neat. And then we just kind of went our separate ways and didn't talk for years. And then something came up in their life um, where they were like looking for spiritual advice. And they actually reached out to me and were like, hey, remember that one time we had that one conversation? Like, I remembered that. And I I just wondered if you could get together, and, and we walked through some stuff together, and it was just like this cool way that God orchestrated these connections, right? Maybe you've had moments like that as well, too, where God puts things together, and I think it's kind of God to, to orchestrate these, what we call sometimes call divine appointments, um, even when we're not looking for them, right? We're not really, it's kind of like thrust upon us. But in the story today, we're going to see that sometimes, that maybe more often than not, God actually wants to nudge us, speak to us, show us these things that invite us into, hey, I have this person for you to connect with. I, I'm inviting you to, to reach out to this person, to go to this place, because I actually have someone for you to engage with. And so today we're going to look at a story uh, about a man named Philip had that experience of God leading, speaking, and someone's life who was completely transformed by his yes. But before that, we're going to pray, um, pray for our time together. But uh, one of the things I want to pray about, too, is that some of our friends are actually planting a church that is launching today. Um, some of you remember J.T. Hairston. He led worship a few times, and we did an interview with him when we were online. But J.T. and his wife, Christine, are planting the Collide Church in Berea, uh, and they're launching today. And so um, one of the cool things, even though our church has only been around for two and a half years, is that we've actually been able to support uh, other churches being planted in different areas because we were helped in that way. And so we're also going to financially support Collide Church and help them get off the ground, which is exciting. And so when you give, it's not just to help this ministry grow and go, but also to see what God is doing in other places. And so as we pray, inviting God into this time, also we want to pray for the Collide Church and for JT and Christine as they uh, launch this church today in Berea. So would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we, we just say, come Holy Spirit. We just make space for you, God. Father, we actually believe that you're present, that you're here. That we don't just gather under an agreed set of beliefs, but that we gather in your name, Jesus, expecting for you to be present. And so, Lord, would you speak? Would you move? Would you give faith where those of us who struggle to believe, would you bring healing where those of us who are grieving and feel broken physically, emotionally, relationally, God, would you open our eyes and our hearts for the more that you have for our lives? And God, we pray for JT and Christine, God, as they uh, launch the Collide Church today. God, we pray that you would fill them with your spirit, with your presence. God, that you would fill that building where they're going to be meeting, but even more, you would fill them with a sense of your joy. You would fill them with a sense, God, of your delight in them for taking a risk to gather people, to share Jesus with people who don't know you, who need hope. Fill them with your presence, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, this blessing on that church today and going forward. We're grateful for what you're doing in the greater Cleveland area, God, and that we get to be a part of it. Let's pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're reading that from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. It'll be on the screen, but you can also uh, read from your Bible if you have it on your phone or a paper version as well, too. So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the, all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. In other translations, that word is Candace. So if you hear, know people named Candace, uh, that's often taken from there. Um, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? So imagine there's this chariot going along and Philip's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? This is what's happening. Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Maybe some of us this morning are going asking the same question. Uh, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. That's the word we use for gospel, good news. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So this story is pretty wild, pretty powerful, right? We see, and that's one of the things we see throughout the book of Acts, is that uh, the church doesn't start out small. It starts out small, but it starts out powerful. That God is continually doing amazing things throughout the book of Acts. Now, do you remember the scripture that we read for communion? And it said, now, you know, a lot of you weren't born of noble birth. Most of you weren't considered wise, powerful, rich, all these things. And so really early on, the reason that Paul is saying this is because early on, Christians often weren't the influential people. They weren't the influencers of the world. But that God used simple, normal people. And he used those people to do these powerful things, which I think reminds us that God doesn't need like, you to be super talented or super gifted or super smart or super wealthy or super whatever for God to choose to use you. God wants to use you wherever you consider yourself on the ladder of intelligence, wealth, power, all those things. God wants to use you. And you know, early on I talked about how the church started out um, it's pretty small as well, too. And, and you see in this story, oftentimes the stories we read in Acts, it's not stories of mass gatherings, large gatherings of people who all convert to begin following Jesus at the same time. We see some of those, but generally the stories we see in the book of Acts is one person at a time, one family at a time, you know, one city, all those sort of things, one kind of grouping at a time. And that's often how God's kingdom works is that God doesn't always do things in big, mass ways, but he, he does one person at a time. One person's life is impacted. One person's body is healed. One person is set free. One marriage is restored. And it begins to trickle out from there. The kingdom begins to spread out from there because people tell stories about, this is what God has done. This is the way that God has moved in, in my life and invite people in. But it's so often in unexpected ways that God does it. 
And so today, we're going to look at the unexpected things in this passage, in this divine appointment that God kind of put together. Maybe you grew up in, you, in church, and maybe you've heard people talk about, that was a divine appointment. You know, and that's not in the Bible, so you don't have to use it. You're like, that's weird. That's fine. You don't have to use it. You never have to say that phrase. But it's an idea that God put this connection together, that in God's way, in God's power, God's timing, he put this connection of people together at just the right time. And so today, we're going to look at four unexpected elements in this um, story, and it's four unexpected things that, that we th- I think God is inviting us into as well, too. And so we're going to look at unexpected guidance, an unexpected person, unexpected timing, and an unexpected result. So unexpected guidance. So we have kind of a couple different people in this story, but uh, the main, one of the main ones is Philip. Now, there are two famous Philips in the Bible. There's the Apostle Philip, like one of the first 12 who, you know, like followed Jesus for the three years of ministry. That is not this Philip. This Philip is a different Philip. This Philip uh, was one of seven men who were chosen. Um, early on in the church, there were uh, widows who were not being taken care of. Um, and so uh, they, you know, they, had, they were hungry, they didn't have food. And so the apostles, the 12 apostles, decided, hey, we're going to select seven people who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom to really help lead this food pantry, this soup kitchen, provide for widows what they need for food. And so Philip was one of these people who was chosen um, to lead this. So you might say he's an organizational guy. He's an administrative guy. And yet they also said they wanted people who are full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And this is who God decides to uh, use in this story, which is a good reminder. Sometimes we say, hey, I'm more of an administrative, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of person, I'm more of a detail kind of person. So, you know, God tries, likes to use extroverts. God likes to use people who are like more, you know, they wave their hands when they talk. You know, but I'm just kind of like, just put me behind the scenes, right? But here's the reality, is that whether you're a behind-the-scenes person, you're an introvert, an extrovert, you're administrative, leader, whatever you are, whatever way God wants to use you. And in this story, he uses Philip, who wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't one of the first guys chosen. He was just a guy who was leading this, essentially this food, this food pantry, this soup kitchen. There's persecution happens in Jerusalem where he's doing it, and he's pushed out of the city. He just begins to share Jesus wherever he goes, wherever he went. Right? And so this is where God breaks in. And at first it says that an angel talks to him and tells him to go down this road. And then it says the Holy Spirit points out to Philip who to go talk to. And I don't know about you, but when I was reading this, I'm like, well, yeah, if an angel told me where to go, I would go too, right? I mean, I think that's pretty, most of us would probably say that. And yet, in the Bible, there's often times where angels speak to people, and they don't just go, absolutely, I'm all in, right? There's a story of John the Baptist's dad. John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, is a priest, he's in the temple, and an angel appears to him and says, hey, you and um, your wife, you're old, you're going to have a children, you're going to have a child, though. You're going to have a child, you're going to name him John. And, uh, well, I don't think he said, he didn't say John yet, but he's going to have a child. And Zechariah says to an angel who appears to him, yeah, I hear you're saying that. How can I be sure, though? Right? Like, it's an angel. An angel is talking, and he says, how can I be sure? But we think, well, if it's really written in the sky, if an angel appears, then of course I know it's God. Of course it's for sure. Of course I'll do it. But we see God speaks in big ways in the Bible, and people ignore him. God heals people, and people say it's the devil, or say, get out of our city. And God does little things, and people ignore it. People, we all respond in different ways to big and little 
things, right? We want God to speak in loud ways because we think we'll be more likely to hear, more likely to obey, more likely to trust. They won't have even as much faith, but that's just not the reality. And we see that God oftentimes, he speaks in more quiet voices and more nudges and in kind of internal senses. In 1 Kings 19 to 12, here's God. He's going he's to show himself to the prophet Elijah. Maybe you've heard this story before. And he said, I'm going to show you myself. I'm going to reveal my presence to you. And then a wind comes, a strong wind comes, an earthquake comes, fire comes, and God's in none of those. And then there's a, there's a whisper that comes, a, fi- a gentle whisper that comes, and it's that in that place, in that quiet place that God is present. And we talk about that a lot because so often we're so distracted, we're so busy, we're so in a hurry that we miss the gentle voice of God, the nudges of God's spirit. And here's this unexpected guidance that God wants to give. And in this story, it's an angel. and We say, of course I'd do it, but we know that's not true. <laughs> but for so often, God sometimes wants to be that clear with us and we still miss it as well too. And here's a couple of reasons I think we miss it. I was reading, um, doing some reading this week, and I think one of the reasons that we miss God speaking, whether it's in big ways or small ways, is that God doesn't speak the way we think he should. God doesn't speak the way we think he should. You know, depending on how we grew up, we think, all right, these are the ways that God kind of does his thing, right? So God only speaks through the Bible, maybe. Or maybe you grew up in a church, and, um, and God only spoke through the really spiritual people in the church. They kind of got up and said, God's saying this, and, and that was how you heard from God. Or, or maybe it was just your grandma, and you're like, someday, when I'm like my grandma, God will speak to me for other people. Or, or maybe you think God only speaks in, like, still quiet voices, right? And so it's just a, just a nudge. And so if something feels really strong, it's like, oh, it's probably just what I ate, you know, but we have this kind of box of which God speaks in. And oftentimes we miss it because God speaks in ways that we're not expecting. And by the way, tomorrow night at the equipping night, we're going to talk about how do we hear from God. And then a couple weeks from now, we'll, we'll talk about that again too. And so there's going to be lots of opportunities to dive in. But oftentimes we miss the way that God's speaking because he speaks in a way we're not expecting. But the other one that I think is also true is that sometimes we're so distracted, we're so fixated on what else is going on in our life that we miss God's guidance. We miss God's guidance because we're so focused on what's happening in our lives, our issues, our problems. We miss when God might nudge us for other people. Now, who has seen the video? It's a really old video. It's like of a bunch of kids dribbling basketballs and the gorilla walks through. Can I see a raise of hands? Okay, so some of you. Let me explain what happens. So what you're told is you have all these people dribbling basketballs, and then they're supposed to pass the basketballs to one another. And you're asked to count how many times the basketball is passed, right? And some people pass it, chest pass, and people bounce pass. You're supposed to count this. And so you're counting it, right? And at the end of it, they say, hey, did anything unexpected happen? 50% of the people said, no, there's just people dribbling, passing basketballs. The other 50% said, yeah, there's someone in a gorilla suit that literally walked across the screen, stopped in the middle, beat their chest, looked at the camera, and then walked away. And when you watch that video again, you go, that's absolutely what happened. Like you literally, 50% of people when they do this test miss the gorilla that walked across the screen because you're so fixated on like, I don't want to miss a pass that's being passed around. And I think oftentimes we miss God as well, too, because we're so distracted, we're so fixated on what's happening in our lives, what we need, that we miss when God might be speaking in really clear ways, like beating the chest of a gorilla, like to notice that God actually wants to speak. 
And not just about our own lives, but for others as well, too. So that we can hear where he might say, hey, you know, pray for Caitlin. She's having a tough day. Or, hey, why don't you text Oliver? Or, hey, you know what? You usually go to this coffee shop. Why don't you check that one out? And you're like, I don't know why. That's weird. I guess. What's the worst case happens? I guess I don't have as good coffee. You know, but you go, oh, God. You, or even we walk into a room or at work and say, God, is there anybody you want me to connect with today? Is there anybody that you want me to encourage? Is there anyone that you might want to highlight to me that needs me to say, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I... Are you, how are things? How's your marriage? How's your family? How's your kids? How's school? You know, just be intentional with those, but we're so distracted, we miss it. And so here we see Philip, even though it was an angel this time, he gets there, and it's a, the Holy, it says the Holy Spirit pointed out to him who to go talk to. So we have this unexpected guidance that happened. And so I think if we want to be open to this, some of the things we need to do is we let go of how God's always done it and say, God, you can speak to me however you want to. Second, we're intentional to pay attention to the small ways and big ways that God might want to speak. And then third, we ask him to open our eyes and our ears to see what he is, that, see what he's doing, to let go of distractions, and even be intentional even waking up that in the morning and when we go into work or go into school or go into a restaurant and say, God, is there anybody that you'd want me to encourage? Is there anyone you'd want me to talk to? So unexpected guidance. But then also, this is an unexpected person that Philip goes and talks to. It's an unexpected person. Of course, uh, Philip is thinking, this is, I'm an unexpected person. He didn't expect for God to lead him this way. Up to that point in Philip's life, we don't have any uh, insight into that. This is a common experience for him to be led this way. But also, the man that he's led to is completely unexpected. So first it says um, he's an Ethiopian eunuch, so he's a black African Philip is a Jewish man, right? So very different already racially, all right? This, the Ethiopian eunuch is high up, wealthy, successful uh, in the royalty of Ethiopia, you know, and Philip is not wealthy. He's middle class at best, right? So totally different educational connections as well, too. But not only that, um, Philip is a Jewish man, and so historically, Jewish men don't talk to Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And so this person is someone that Philip would have been completely, it would not have been expected, not been on his radar, like, God, maybe you're going to have me connect with this person today. Maybe this is who you might lead me to encourage, right? Oftentimes, we think of, like, it's the person that's sort of like me, the person in my circle. But yet, the cool thing is, is that when God kind of puts these connections together, oftentimes he highlights people that maybe we'd miss otherwise, Maybe we would miss for whatever reason. It doesn't mean we have, we have bias or stereotypes or racism. It doesn't mean that's where that's coming from. It just means that we might not think about that kind of person when we think about who God might lead us to encourage or to speak to. It might just be that they're just not on our radar, an unexpected person. And so God leads Philip, like we talked about, to go run after this man. He goes to the, sees this chariot going, he's running after him, asking the question, do you understand what's happening? And so here's what we find out, though, is when it says in verse 30, it says, And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. And here um, where is where I, I think it's just amazing how God's timing here. And so um, unexpected timing. So Philip goes up. This man's reading something from the, from the Bible, which has just been the Old Testament at the time. And he goes, do you understand what you're reading? He doesn't know what this guy's reading. He doesn't know the timing of it. And here's what it says. In verses 27 to 28, 
kind of setting the context of, of where the Ethiopian had come from. It says, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So he had just come from Jerusalem worshiping God. But this is not the God that the Ethiopians believed in. Like, his country, this is not the religion of their people. What would make someone like this successful, wealthy, like high up as you can be without being related to the actual kings and queens? Like, he is up there. What would drive him to go to a different country to worship a different God entirely? Well, it doesn't say clearly what's going on, but obviously he felt something was lacking in the religion that he practiced. Something was lacking in the gods that they worshiped. Something was missing. And so he finds himself traveling a thousand miles from where he lived to go worship this God that he had heard about from the Jewish people. And the, certainly the gods were different. You know, the Jewish god was known. They didn't require child sacrifice. It didn't require uh, people to feed them. It didn't require, it wasn't this belief that the king was God like the Ethiopians did. This is a different type of god where there was so much, uh, so much emphasis on justice and, and fair treatment. There's incredibly the different picture of this god who loves and who creates out of love. This god was different. But the problem would have happened is when this um, Ethiopian eunuch would have traveled to Jerusalem and got to the temple to worship, he would have found out that he couldn't enter into the temple at all. Now already, if you're not Jewish, you could only go into certain parts of the temple to worship. But this man was a eunuch. It means he was castrated. And in the, and in the Jewish law, uh, someone like that couldn't even go into the temple at all. Completely unclean. It would be considered unclean no matter what. There's nothing that he could have done to change that. Right? And so he gets there, he wants to worship, and he would have been ostracized. He would have had to stay at the very outside. And so he leaves this place. He leaves this temple. He traveled a thousand miles to worship, and he's leaving. And he's reading this passage of Scripture, and, and it's actually in Isaiah uh, 53 where he was reading from. Now, here's what's interesting. In Isaiah, just a few chapters later, this is what the prophet Isaiah actually promises in, um, in Isaiah 56, 3 to 5, it says, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what please me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial in a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. So he's reading Isaiah, he's reading in these chapters, and in part of these chapters surrounding this context is actually making a promise that, hey, you might have been cast out, but the desire of God is for you to be included. The desire of God is for you, actually, to have a memorial to your name. Now, you think about it, if, if you can't have children, once you die, your name can kind of be forgotten. Maybe if you have nieces and nephews, but you have no children that are remembering. You have no descendants. And yet here's this promise from God in these chapters that I'm actually going to give specifically to foreigners and eunuchs. I'm going to give you the ability to be remembered, right? But then in the passage that he's actually reading, it says this. It says um, in verse 32 in Acts 8, 
says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Do you see this? Here is this man who can never have children, who's been rejected by the Jewish temple. He's leaving that. He's had this desire to worship a God who is different. And then the passage he's reading when Philip walks up to him is talking about, here's this person, we, he doesn't know who he is, a suffering servant, and it's a suffering servant who dies and has no descendants. And this is a passage he's reading that he's like, I don't understand. And yet, think about how drawn he would have been. For us, we're like, that's not a big deal. But for in that culture, having children, being married, having a family was central to your worth, to your value, to your importance. And even though he had success in all these other ways, that was missing, this gaping hole in his heart inside. And, and here he hears this message that you have no, like there's someone who's really important in the God of the Bible and has no descendants. Can you imagine the timing? And he says, what, who is this? Because if I'm the Ethiopian, I'm saying, whoever this is, like I feel a connection. Whoever this is, like there's a connection to me because I'm never going to have descendants. I'm never going to have children. This is who God, this is who Philip is brought to and the timing that God brings him to connect. And this is when Philip runs up to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And um, this is quote I love by John Wimber, the father of the vineyard. He says this, the Holy Spirit usually arranges divine appointments at critical junctures in people's lives, times when they are struggling with problems or deep needs. All are launching points to conversion. These points where God knows we have deep need, when these points when God knows that we're open to actually hearing about his hope, hearing about love, hearing about grace. And it's in these moments that God sends people to speak and to share and wants to send us into those spaces. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to be open and not be always distracted because God might want to send you. It doesn't mean you have to go across town or you live in Lakewood and God's going to send you to some, you know, send you to the library in Euclid. You know, it's not, but it's just being aware and open. Where is God maybe speaking to me? Where is God maybe nudging me? Where is God maybe highlighting this person? And I just can't get away. I keep seeing this person over there and I'm like, I don't know why I'm drawn to them. Maybe I should just say hi. And maybe God might be using you in unexpected time and to meet an unexpected person in their time of need. And so the next thing we see is that there's an unexpected result, an unexpected result. So it starts out seemingly supernatural, right? It's an angel, it's the Holy Spirit pointing out a clear person. Here is this unexpected result. What happens is the Ethiopian is reading scripture, right? And some of us, some of us that's a regular thing for us, or we read the Bible sometimes. So he's, he's reading the Bible that they had at the time. And here comes Philip, and, and Philip, what does he do? It's, of course, this crazy way that he meets this guy, but then he just explains, here's what the Bible says. This, actually, this passage is actually about Jesus, and he explains the good news about Jesus, what seems like this grand thing. Sometimes God uses supernatural ways, really clear ways to connect us to somebody to help us meet a need in a really normal way, a way that maybe we wouldn't label as supernatural. Like maybe, hey, here's, oh, you need help moving. Like, oh, can I help you move? You know, like, oh, you, you're actually struggling with, like, you're, you need some food. Can I help you? Or I could, can I pray for you? Or you just need some encouragement. Maybe it feels like God does this divine encounter. And yet sometimes the things that he wants to do in those moments 
feel very natural, but it meets a very real need. And people are met in deep and significant ways. And so Philip, he would have saw this passage where it talks about here's this, there's this lamb that like was led to the slaughter, and who is this person? And, and Philip would have explained that Jesus was like the lamb that was killed. That Jesus, the Son of God, had no descendants, would never have any physical descendants just like this eunuch. Philip would have said to him that Jesus came to be a substitute for us. And just like you couldn't offer the sacrifice you wanted to in the temple, that was okay. Because Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. Philip would have explained that Jesus was that substitute for us. That Jesus reconciled us to God. And no matter what's been done to our body, no matter what we've done to our body, no matter what decisions we've made in the past, no matter what categories we fall into in our culture, that God wants to reconcile us through Jesus. He would have said this to the eunuch. And in the Bible, we see over and over again this language that Jesus was our substitute. We see in the Bible there's this language of battle and that Jesus fights battles that we can't win against sin and death. We see that Jesus gives himself um, at the price for our freedom, and like this image of the marketplace, and that Jesus paid the price for our debt, that Jesus substitutes himself as a sacrifice to cleanse us from sin and guilt. Over and over again, Jesus is the substitute. He stands in our place where we can't, and he would have explained this to the Ethiopian. And it's in these moments, in these divine encounters that God wants to lead us into and speak to us, that people have these light bulbs go off, this, this switch that all of a sudden, oh my goodness. And they hear the good news about a God who in Jesus has given his life to free us from all the things that keep us bound up, the addictions and the wounds and the battles that we go through internally and externally, to heal us, to forgive us, to bring us new life. These divine appointments that God wants to set up produce unexpected results. And, and then the story um, that we don't know for sure what happened in Ethiopian afterwards, but to this day, the Ethiopian Christian church looks back and says, this was the first Christian in the history of our church. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But they look back and say, this one person that Philip reached to and just said, hey, can I, can I share what this means? It impacted nations. God wants to use just our attention. He wants to grab our attention. He wants to have our yes from him and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk. I'm going to be available to speak to, to encourage, to reach out, to be available when God might give me those nudges to serve and love someone else. And then this man says, well, shouldn't I just be baptized then? Can I just be baptized? Which is pretty cool, right? All of a sudden, this, this man who all the things I just explained goes, I'm in. I'm in. You know, all these other ways that would have divided him. And this is a picture, too, of like how all the dividing walls, when Jesus died, it, it removed the dividing walls between Jews and Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish. And here's this man who says, I'm in. And baptism is a picture of saying, I have an old way of life, old things that I believe. Now is this new way of life. I put my faith in Jesus. I died with him because he died for me. And now I have life in him. And this is a picture of baptism. And so if you haven't been baptized, it would be great. In a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism. We'd love to baptize you as a symbol, as a picture of what God has already done in your life. And so um, as we wrap up our time together, here's some invitations, I think, for us this week. 
is this. One, God's inviting us to remain open to the ways he wants to speak and lead in ways that we're not used to. God wants to speak to us and lead us in ways that we're not used to. Maybe you're someone who's like, I know how God speaks to me. You know, maybe you're someone who's like experienced in hearing God's voice. Would you be open to God speaking in ways that you're not used to even? To slow down in moments so you don't miss who and what God might want to show you. Sometimes it just means walking into a room, even this room, walking down the street. It doesn't have to be this like super spiritual sounding thing like, God, if there's anybody you want me to talk to as I'm walking today, would you just point them out to me? Something simple. Going to work, like, God, if there's anybody you want me to encourage today, would you just, would you just show me? Would you speak to me? It doesn't have to be this, like, you get on your knees and, God, would you do it? It's just these simple little breath prayers. Say, God, would you, would you just help me to be aware of what's going on around me? And then ask God to open your eyes and ears, like I just said, to give you divine appointments so you can share the good news of Jesus with them. And so this week, I would encourage you to say, just to be open. And so what I'm going to do, I just want us to take a minute, just kind of in silence. And, and on your own, um, as we're sitting here quietly, if you want to close your eyes, you can. If not, that's fine too. But just, if, you're, if you want, if this is something that's stirring your heart, just to pray a simple prayer and say, God, would you give me divine appointments this week? Would you point out people that need your love and your grace this week? Would you show me? And so just as a, as a minute of silence, just to kind of invite God to begin to do that in your life in a renewed way, even today. Let's just stand together. And we're going to um, have a final song that we're going to sing. But here's what I would encourage you to do. One, if you're on our prayer team, would you come up? We'd love to pray for some folks. Um, and every week, if, if as you were hearing this message, or even as you're praying now, I feel like God was kind of nudging your heart, like, yeah, I want this is something I want you to grow in. I want to do more of this in your life. We just come forward and receive prayer. We'd love to pray for you, just to agree. You know, sometimes we think we come forward because we have this like really difficult thing in our life, but sometimes it's like, would you pray for me? I want to, I want to hear your voice more. I want to like say yes more often in these areas in my life. And so come forward and get prayer. And then also, if you need prayer for healing of anything, as well too, physical, emotional, relational, we would love to pray for you. Um, each and every week, no matter what the topic is, theme is, we love to pray for people. And so um, Brent's going to lead us in a song for a couple minutes, and then we'll close our time. And then if you're still praying, we encourage you to keep receiving prayer.